0: up everyone and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Mafia podcast, the NFL offseason edition. I am your host Jerry alongside Jordan again. Uh, it's been another week. What's going on?
1: Not too much. I'm ready to rock and roll here. We uh, got to talk about some dynasty by lows last week. So now this is an even more exciting part of the equation where you get to get way overpaid for guys.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we got a couple of... More than a couple of dynasty uh, sell highs here. It, it was a tough, tough time to put these lists together. Uh, we had a lot of the same, so we had to do some maneuvering there. Um, before we get into the main portion of the show, really hasn't been any news, so not much to break there. The only things really that I that I know of to throw around, Duke Johnson was released today. Are at, <laughs> at the time of this recording, Duke Johnson was released, and. Uh, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson's name have been thrown around. It's, um, I think there was news about Deshaun Watson. He kind of sat down with the new coach and GM and he just basically reiterated that he does not want to play for them. So I don't know how true that is. I don't know if it's just a rumor being floating around the internet and on Twitter, but uh, that is the latest that came out of Houston. And then with Russell Wilson, he He never really demanded a trade, but he did list about four or five different teams that if he were to get traded, that's where he would go. He does have a no movement clause. So it it is kind of in his hands um, if he were to move, if he were to waive that and go to a team or go to one of those four or five teams that he mentioned. So um, nothing real major since the last time you heard from us. Um, We're still kind of in that end of the regular season or end of the. 2020 2020 season before the 2021 season the off season kicks off so not really much movement could go on teams cutting players for cap space and make looking to make big splashes like carolina freed up a lot of cap space maybe they're going after watson who knows there but that's about it do you have anything to to add
1: yeah no it's been pretty quiet early March is when there's some deadlines for in terms of if they need to uh, release players in order to uh, save on dead cap money. So you'll probably start to see a little more movement in the next few weeks here. So yeah, nothing too exciting. I thought the Russell Wilson news is kind of interesting that there's even a little bit of turmoil there. I mean, Russell Wilson is that franchise. So I think that's kind of interesting, obviously not as talented. I would say right now, as Deshaun Watson is. But I mean, he's been more proven and he has longevity on his side. So I think that's interesting to follow. If I'm the Seahawks, I mean, you really have no incentive to trade the guy. And uh, I mean, I think they have to do everything in their power to make sure that he's happy. And I think at the end of the day, he's just upset because that offensive line is horrendous. It's been horrendous for the last few years. To me, that seems like an easy fix seems like the kind of meeting you sit down, you get on the same page so that moving forward, you're in the same direction. But when you have a guy like Russell Wilson, you don't let go. So I'd expect them to steer that in the right direction. It seems like with Deshaun Watson, that ship has sailed where there's really no opportunity for them to sit down and have that conversation because I think, I mean, they missed the boat on it already. So uh, the Russell Wilson news, I think, is probably being blown out of proportion a little bit. I wouldn't expect them to move anywhere. And I mean, on the Texans side, I don't know. It's a tough situation because you keep hearing now that they're going to almost hold Deshaun Watson hostage unless they get a a blown away by an offer. But I mean, you don't really want your leader to not want to be there. I mean, that's going to create a toxic environment next season and, I mean, they should be able to get several first-round picks along with some solid veteran players or a young quarterback. So if they can make that move, they just need to make it happen because the relationship is beyond repair at this point.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. There's a lot of quarterbacks. We mentioned it last week. I think you mentioned it, that there's a lot of quarterbacks that could be on the move this offseason. Like 16 teams could be with a new quarterback this yeah. uh, year going into week one. So that's going to be fun to see. Just, we're just sitting here waiting for stuff to actually happen. I mean, the only thing that really can't happen now is releases and, uh, and trades. Uh, other than that, until the new league opens up um, or a new league year opens up, not much is going on. So we just got to kind of just feed off of whatever news is thrown out there for the next couple weeks. But getting into today's episode, we are going over some dynasty uh, Dynasty sell highs. Again, it was tough to put any kind of list together. Um, we're a little bit more organized this week than we were last week. I think last week we just had a bunch of guys that we liked for our by-lows without any kind of order. So if we had two quarterbacks and then seven running backs and whatever the number was for wide receivers and tight ends, this week it's two, 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 and two for each of us. So four total players for each position. Um, go into a little bit, a little briefing about each one. And, and I'll let you kick it off with the, with the first quarterback here.
1: Oh, man, but I really like when you're quarterbacks, but that's fine. Um, Yeah, I mean, so my first one is probably a little different direction than other people are thinking, but mine is Ryan Tannehill. And I think you have to consider the changes in circumstance around that offense. Number one, um, they're going to have a new guy in charge of their offense this year with Arthur Smith heading over to Atlanta historically quarterbacks don't do fantastic under new offensive systems in their first season. So I think that's a huge consideration. And you and I were talking before John U. Smith and Corey Davis are going to be free agents. So behind AJ Brown, we really have no idea what the second target's going to be. I mean, we were questioning it heading into 2020, and Corey Davis looked really good, and John, who had his moments. But without those two, I mean, we're really questioning who their second target is. So that's going to leave him a little vulnerable there. So that worries me a little bit. And when you couple that with the fact that since he started, I believe it was week four in 2019 was his first start. So over the last 28 games now, he's been the fantasy QB number six. So, I mean, at that point, I can't see him being any better than that. And I, it's not to say that somebody's going to give you QB6 value because I don't think Ryan Tannehill has that reputation in the fantasy community. But I honestly, with all these young quarterbacks, and I mean, quarterback, there's so many talented guys. But if Ryan Tannehill is a guy that you can sell for even QB1 value, top 12 value, I think that's really his ceiling. And I don't think you're ever going to find an opportunity to get more for him than you will right now before maybe this. And maybe it's too late now. Maybe this offseason already looks too bleak for some of the more extreme dynasty players for Ryan Tannehill. But I don't see his value ever getting any higher. He was a guy I probably would have set up before this season, too. He went on that really hot streak in 2019. He put together a full 2020. And it's not to say I don't think he has the talent. I just think I just I can't see him finishing any higher than he has recently. So if you can't sell high on him now, then you're probably going to have to hold him or maybe even sell him a little low. But there's got to be somebody out there that sees the value and talent in him and maybe is a little QB needy.
0: Yeah, it's it's a little tougher and another weapon that uh that just got released um was Adam Humphreys too. So that's another one. So who is <laughs> behind AJ Brown? That's the exact question. Um it is a little tougher depending on your your league situation too. Now, if you're in a single quarterback league, then really none of these quarterbacks are are really gonna be hot commodities except for yeah. I don't know who your second guy is, but my my second guy that I'm gonna go after is probably I mean, he's gonna be in the top top ten, top twelve. But the uh, Ryan Tannehill is somebody that might be sitting around on your waiver wire. This guy that I'm going to talk about next might be sitting around on your waiver wire. So it really depends on the league dynamics, too. But um, the first guy I'm going to talk about is Taysom Hill. He I mean, obviously, Drew Brees is most likely he didn't officially retire yet, but he's most likely done. He did restructure his contract to kind of help out the salary cap situation for the uh, for the Saints. Um, So either he's playing for really, really cheap this year or he's just. Trying to give them some money back, and then he could ride off into the sunset and retire, and uh, pass it on to the next guy, which we don't even know who the next guy is. But Taysom Hill is under contract. Uh, Jameis Winston is not under contract. He's gonna—he's set to hit free agency too. So we don't even know who the Saints are bringing back in this year, or who, or if they even go in a different direction. But he's—if he—if he does—if—if he he is in the starting role, he does inherit a pretty good offense. Um, It's a guy where if you were playing on ESPN leagues or. I think it was. I think it was Flea Flicker too. Uh, he had the tight end eligibility as well. I'm pretty sure both of those platforms are going to get rid of that this year. Um, they're going to, and so kind of make everything back to normal. Put him as a quarterback and a quarterback only. So if you're holding on to him to kind of get, cheat that system again, you're probably losing that eligibility. Um, so you can just try to sell him if you can. And he's in the games that we saw him last year. Now it wasn't really great for. Alvin Kamara, but he was he was a solid quarterback. Um, like I said, he is inheriting some weapons: Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, uh, Adam Troutman. I think Emmanuel Sanders is there for another year, I believe. I'd have to double check that. I remember if he signed a one-year or two-year deal. But he, he's he's going into some weapons, and in the NFC South, they they have to put up a lot of points in order to win some games. Um, so Taysom Hill, he's he's the kind of guy where you basically got him for free. Um, either you picked him up midway through the season or if, or if you are in a dynasty league and and you've just been holding on to him to, as like a tight end or a running back or whatever he might be, he's just sitting on your bench. You're, you're never going to start him. You probably got other players in those positions that you're going to start over him on a consistent weekly basis. So try to get something out of him if you can. And uh, yeah, and, and hope that he starts or, or if you get rid of him and get some some good pieces for him, then hope that he doesn't start.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that's the kind of situation where the day Drew Brees retires, you go on your league chat and you put Taysom Hill on the block and you try to get rid of him immediately. I mean, I love Taysom Hill. You know that I think that he can be a starting quarterback if his skill set is used appropriately. But yeah, I mean, the reality is people are going to be way over excited and way over hyping him if they do. Um, If Drew Brees does retire. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good one. Kind of he's not on my list, but it's kind of an interesting thought is Jalen Hurts still. Um, I mean, people are really I love Jalen Hurts and I think he could be a top 10 fantasy quarterback this year. But if you have somebody like me who believes that and is willing to pay top 10 value for a guy we haven't seen very much, I mean, that's selling really high. So, I mean, I think that's a a possible consideration as well. And I know I'm not alone in thinking that he could be that good for fantasy owners, but if someone's willing to pay you top 10 value right now for Jalen Hurts, I would 100% be selling him just because he still has to reach that potential. If they're willing to pay for his potential, then yeah, I mean, let them at that point. So, I mean, and not to mention there's already, and I know Carson Wentz is gone now, but there is a new coaching staff. Uh, I mean, there's not necessarily a hundred percent commitment to Jalen Hurts long term. If Jalen Hurts flops this year, he may not be the Eagles' long term answer. I, I mean, I don't believe that, but you have to at least acknowledge that that's possible. So uh, I guess that's a little in depth for a guy that's not even on my list. But
0: and there was uh, there was some news about that too that they're not a hundred percent committed to Hurts going into the season. Now yeah. uh, he's probably going to start, but um, it's just one of those things, it's coach speak or or GM speak or whatever you want to call it, one of those things where they just they just want you to kind of scramble around and, and try to figure out who their quarterback is. Going back to Taysom Hill, too, it's, I mean, it's been a while since, since Drew Brees wasn't the week one starting quarterback for this team. I mean, fantasy has changed a lot the team has changed a lot around him. It's like, we don't really see these kind of situations that much last year. Uh, we saw with, with Tom Brady leaving the Patriots, but nobody really wanted the quarterback after him. This is a situation oh. where if Breeze is gone, the the backup quarterback or the next guy, the next man up could be a hot commodity. So mm-hmm. if it's Taysom Hill, he's, he's a, uh, he's a guy that could kind of fetch you some, uh, some assets in, in return. Yeah. And you, I mean, just, uh,
1: Just for the record, too, Taysom Hill, when he started weeks 11 through 14, was the fantasy QB number six. So, I mean, he did have some success, too. And people are going to, once again, is he going to finish higher than that? No, but some people are going to be willing to pay for that upside.
0: Exactly. Who's your number two?
1: Uh, the other one that I'm going to go with is probably in a dynasty league, not going to have as much value, but people coming off a Super Bowl win will probably pay you more than they should. And that's Mr. Tom Brady. And Never heard of he, him. No, yeah, I don't know who that guy is, but obviously he had a really successful first season in Tampa from a fantasy standpoint. He was an eighth overall QB, and this is once again not to say that um, He's not worth that, or he's not going to be a top 10 quarterback again in 2021, because I think he definitely can be. But there's going to be a win now team out there looking to solidify their roster and may give up youth or maybe a little more just to try to make a push to win, especially in a 2QB league. If there's a team that really wants to win, uh, you know, Tom Brady can shore up the position for him. So um, there's a lot of question marks heading into 2021 for him as well. We don't know the future of that backfield. If Fournette's going to return. Uh, I mean, Ronald Jones did look really good. I don't think they necessarily need Fournette to return, but we I doubt Chris Godwin's going to come back. Uh, Antonio Brown I think Antonio Brown's going to come back um, I think that Tom Brady was pretty influential in him being able to turn around his life over the last year so I think that bond is going to keep him in Tampa as well as Gronk but there's just a lot of question marks on that offense and dynasty leagues obviously you're trying to look long term with a mix of short term so if you can get a team trying to win now to overpay for him, I definitely would
0: I like that one. It's, uh, I mean, a lot of people, when you're talking about dynasty, they, they don't really worry about the 35 and up club. And, but I mean, Tom Brady, he showed last year that he could still play quarterback in this league and he could play it at a high level. He, he was top five, I think in yardage, he was up there in touchdowns. Um, he did have some, I mean, he. it seems like he did throw, and I don't know, I don't have his exact numbers in front of me, but it seems like he did throw a little bit more interceptions than what we're used to seeing out of Tom Brady. Um, maybe it's because those happen in bigger games too, like he threw three against the Saints and in the playoffs and two against the, uh, two against the Packers in the playoffs. So it's like those are the games that everybody's watching and looking, oh, this guy's washed up. But during the regular season, he was... He, he, he was great. And if Antonio Brown comes back or even if they even if they re-sign Chris Godwin, um, throw Gronk another one year deal, They're weapons that he's familiar with that he played with this past year and mm-hmm. who, who's to say that he can't rep, um, replicate what he just did. Mm-hmm. Another guy that I have, my second quarterback is going to be uh, Josh Allen. Hate to say it, if I if I had him on my team, I, I'd want to hold on to him. But. He, we're basically looking at a tale of two a of two seasons with him and his two full season starts, um, from twenty nineteen where he 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 wasn't that great at all to twenty twenty last year where he was in MVP consideration and, and that's exactly the kind of uh that's exactly the kind of year where you want to sell a guy like this. Um, the thing with Josh Allen is in a kind of kind of like what I said with the Taysom Hill stuff, but if you're in a dynasty league you drafted him in your rookie draft and you probably had other quarterbacks too. And going into 2019, you were probably using other quarterbacks over Josh Allen. And then 2020, maybe you kind of switched it up But in a dynasty league. You probably have three, four different quarterbacks on your roster. So this guy could be an extra guy and an extra guy on your team that could fetch you a lot in return because he is a top 10, top 12 quarterback fantasy wise. Um, so I mean, he's got, he has got he's still going to have a lot of the weapons. None of the weapons are really scheduled to leave. Now, we've talked about potential John Brown not being with the team for salary crap reasons, but until that happens, I mean, they're still going into the season with John Brown, Stefan Diggs, Cole Beasley, Dawson Knox. And so, I mean, he has all the weapons around him. He showed that he could pretty much play with any other weapons, too, as McKenzie had a a few touches. Andre Roberts had a few touches getting Zach Moss and Devin Singletary out of the backfield. So even if they do lose John Brown, there's other guys that could come in, step in and play. And Josh Allen has the arm to do it. So, I mean, if you're in one of those where you feel like you can get a lot in return, this is the quarterback that you get a lot of return for he's young Mm -hmm. he's uh saying i mean you can say the same thing with about patrick mahomes you could say the same thing about justin herbert except we we have a little bit of a sample size with him but it's one of those the, the biggest reason why he's on my list over those other guys is because we've seen a bad year and we've seen a good year and who knows what if he goes back to the bad year i hope it doesn't happen as a personal fan but also from a fantasy standpoint, what if he goes back to 2019? What if last year was a fluke? Or what if last year was the good year and 2019 was a fluke? It's it's really hard to say, but if you could get a bit I mean, if you're if you're selling Josh Allen, you're getting a lot in return for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, he was fantasy's number one QB this season. And I mean, anytime you have a guy that kind of pops up like that, you're going to try to take advantage of his value while you can. And I do think Josh Allen can sustain his success from last year. I don't know if it'll quite be the volume that it was last year one of the things you have to consider is I think this offense is definitely tailored to pass more than we were anticipating. I think a lot of people were expecting it to be a lot more balanced, but one of the reasons his pass attempts were up last year is the bills defense wasn't as good as a lot of people were expecting. And they did catch on towards the end of the year. And that kind of fueled them through the playoffs a little bit. And will help that run a little bit, but I don't expect the bills defense to be as Inconsistent as it was last year, and they did deal with a lot of injuries. So, when you're in games where your defense is allowing more points, you're going to have more pass attempts. So, I I mean, I think that's also a consideration as well when you're talking about Josh Allen. And I mean, I wish I looked this up prior to and it just popped into my mind, but I don't know the last time that a quarterback has finished top five in back to back seasons, honestly. Cause and it sounds like that's something easy to do with some of the legends that we've had, but that doesn't happen as frequently as you would think it would just even a minor regression where a guy has a great season, but maybe he's the QB seven instead of number two over, you know, just small changes or maybe another guy emerges. So it doesn't happen as much as you would think. And I mean, we saw it with Lamar Jackson last year who ended up uh, QB 10. So he's still a QB one. So what's not to say that Josh Allen's not in the same situation I mean, with him being the franchise, he also shouldn't be as running as much as he is right now. So if those numbers came down a little bit, I'm not saying significantly, I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, I mean, I don't think it's because Josh Allen can't be good long term. I just think that number one QB numbers year in and year out may be hard to sustain. But one of the things this just brings me up to a whole nother topic of conversation you're going to probably start hearing from a lot of people and I've already somebody mentioned it with Daniel Jones one day because Daniel Jones has struggled. But what Josh Allen did is unprecedented. We've never it was the biggest single season jump in completion percentage in NFL history. So like I can't stress enough that. Like, don't expect this from young guys that are struggling. Now everybody, you know, I, and that's what it was re- in reference to with Daniel Jones. Somebody said, oh, you know, he can be like Josh Allen and make a a jump in his next seat." I mean, this just doesn't happen. I mean, it's remarkable. So don't start buying into that trap of, oh, anybody can do a Josh Allen. Did. Literally, it's never been done before. I mean, we've never seen – and that's why I don't even feel bad that I was such a Josh Allen hater because a guy that had that low of a completion percent, we've literally never seen that in NFL history. So I'll take uh, I'll take my chances with that. But um, you want to head over to running backs then?
0: Yeah, let's run on over to running backs.
1: All right. Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> what a dad joke. All right. I w- uh, my first one here – and we've already mentioned this offense, but it's Alvin Kamara of the New Orleans Saints, which I know a lot Good of one. people are going to be overly excited with. And maybe I'm just a hater because I seem to mention him and uh, at every chance I can to uh, speak about him negatively. But he was fantasy's number two running back last year, had a really successful season. But what I'm looking at more so, and you you probably know where I'm going with this a little bit, but When Taysom Hill started weeks 11 through 14, Alvin Kamara averaged the 16th most fantasy points among running backs. So, okay, not bad, but it's not the numbers that we're used to seeing. And I think the reality is Drew Brees has been with the Saints so long, we don't know what their offense is going to look like. And I'm personally assuming that more of that's going to flow through Alvin Kamara, and I think a lot of people are assuming that, but we've never really seen him take on that load, and he had some injury concerns coming into this season, so now you're going to give him more of a workload It's just, it makes me nervous personally. So once again, running backs don't last very long in the NFL anymore, too. I mean, if you have a guy that has a season like Kamara did last season, there's nothing wrong with trying to capitalize and getting crazy value. Now, he may have another top five season next year, and you might feel dumb next season. But long term, you're going to be better off if you can get two younger. If you could get two of the rookie running backs from last year's class, I would do it for Kamara. And I think some people would be willing to pay that kind of price, depending on how they view some of those rookies. But I really like last year's rookie class, and um, I would personally take two of them over Camara. But uh, yeah, with the questions with the Saints offense moving forward, I think that makes me a little nervous. Not to mention, I know there's some people that aren't overly concerned about his knee, but... I have still read conflicting reports from different doctors. Some doctors say, yeah, he's going to be fine. Others say that this is a long-term concern for him. Either way, it's enough to say, hey, I mean, his value isn't really going to top out at above what it is now, so I'd sell him.
0: Yeah, he's he was a little uh, scary during that time that Taysom Hill was in the offense. I I mean, I know personally, firsthand, We, I had a bet with one of our other admins in the group about receptions for for uh, Alvin Kamara and he was he was going to crush that pace um, the number that we that we agreed on when Drew Brees was in the lineup and in the first game that Taysom Hill comes in it like that pace kind of the pace was almost unreachable then I don't even think he had a, I think he had one target and no catches in, in Taysom Hill's first game with them and then like the next game it got a little bit better I mean how can it not get any better than zero catches on one target, but it did get a little bit better. And eventually it did get better. And then, then Drew Breeze came back in and I ended up winning that bet. But it looked scary for a little bit that I, I was going to lose that money. But um my first guy that I got is the rookie sensation last year, undrafted James Robinson. I know he was on your list and you had to scramble around and and find another guy. But I mean how can you not this I mean we, we kind of unanimously uh agreed on this one. It's it was a no-brainer for him um don't really need to get too much into depth about it the, the thing that scares me the most and I'm sure it might scare you too um and that's why he was on your list is it's a it's a whole new coaching staff they're going in there with a whole new offense and because he was an undrafted free agent it's not like they have any ties or committed to him um I mean with with him being an undrafted free agent and obviously on a team that, that needs as much offense as they, as they can get. But the, the Jaguars do have a lot of cap space so they can go out and get like an Aaron Jones or somebody. And that, that's what scares me the most. But um, with the contract that he has, why wouldn't you go with him knowing what he can do? So it, it's one of those, that that's why he's on my list the most because uh, they, they do have the money to and the draft capital to go out and get to get basically their guy instead of going with with last year's uh, with last year's guy, he finished the year with over 1,400 yards total, uh, 60 targets um, out of the backfield for 49 receptions. and He had 10 total touchdowns. Um, he was just a monster. I mean, he was a he was a late gem uh, undrafted. I mean, not only was he undrafted in the NFL, he was undrafted in in a lot of redraft fantasy leagues, and people were scrambling to once Leonard Fournette got cut um it was still unknown who was going to be the guy out of the backfield and then week one comes along and and james robinson has a pretty monster game and, and people are still on the fence about okay is he going to keep it up well it's just the jaguars blah 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 and then week two he does it again it's like okay maybe i I need to throw in a lot of my fab money on this guy so he's uh he, he's definitely got what it takes but is the coaching staff going to, going to continue to go with him? Are they going to go out and get, go out and get their own guy? And that's why I say to Mm -hmm. sell high um, because he's another one because he was undrafted and because he, uh, he came along late into the, not late into the season, but late into the off season. We didn't really know too much about him. You probably have other, other weapons in the running back position to kind of, to kind of, Cover yourself if you had to, if you were to get something else for James Robinson here.
1: I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second because oh, that just sounds God. fun. But I semi believe this point. And I hear everybody saying that they don't believe James Robinson is going to be the starting running back heading into next season. Or to some extent, people are worried about that coaching staff. I'm not really worried about that. And the reason why is that. Salary cap flexibility is king in the NFL right now. And we've seen where some of these running back deals have gone sour. So that's why, I mean, it is a Jaguars move to sign a guy like Aaron Jones to an enormous deal. And then it completely backfire and explode into their faces. But if they're managing their cap appropriately, they have a huge advantage. They're going to have a franchise quarterback and a potential, we'll say top 15 running back in James Robinson on a rookie deal. So what that gives you the flexibility to do is spend money and build a great offensive line for those young players, Um, build a great defense so there's not as much pressure on Trevor Lawrence in that offense. So if they're building this team in a smart way, they're actually in a great position. They have a ton of cap space and a rookie quarterback and second-year running back, both talented players on rookie deals, they have a chance to build a a team the right way. Whether or not they do that is another question, but I think it is a really financially imprudent decision to pay a running back a large amount of money just because James Robinson showed that he can be a very, not even serviceable starting running back. He can be, you know, like a top 15 guy and I mean, you don't even necessarily need a top 15 running back to win a Super Bowl. So they could have a franchise quarterback cap flexibility and a top you know, top half of the league starting running back, they're in a great position. So, And not to mention, James Robinson is actually a really good pass blocker, which could help um, Trevor Lawrence in his rookie season. And not one of those things people care about from a fantasy standpoint. And anytime I talk about <laughs> running backs pass blocking, somebody has a snide comment for me, but it keeps him on the field. I mean, that's the point that I'm trying to make there. So he has value in the NFL, but the reason that I'd still sell him high The guy was consistently a top five running back last season, and I don't think that's a reflection of his talent. I think it's a reflection of the volume that he was getting. So he had the number one opportunity share among running backs last season, which means he essentially got the most percentage of his of his team's touches from the running back position. So he touched the ball out of all of the Jaguars running backs 85 percent of the time, which is by far and away way higher than anyone else the reality is they're gonna bring in somebody whether it's a low-end free agent or drafting somebody to spell him and maybe that number comes down to 70 percent next year if they don't bring in a big name or maybe it comes to 60 percent if they sign a decent free agent either way he's not going to have the same opportunity share that he had last season so not that he can't perform at a high level it's just that his his fantasy production is too volume dependent for me. I just can't see him getting the volume that he had last season. And that's a reality. I think he's going to be the starter. And I think I'm in the minority there because I've heard not just you and other people in our group, but I've seen it on Twitter from numerous people. But I think if you're looking at the NFL as a business, it doesn't make sense for them to sign a running back. But um, yeah, I think that's where I stand. I just don't see the volume being there for him.
0: I'm gonna play a uh, devil's advocate to your devil's advocate. Oh my gosh. And this is too no, much. i I actually I, I do agree with everything that you said, and I, like I said, he's I'm more so bringing him up because of of what other people think. i I, really, I think he's gonna be the starter too. I just um it, you just gotta have that in the back of your mind that he he yeah. might not be because of the situation. so i I mean, they'd be stupid not to, but I think that he's gonna be, I, I mean, Not that he's going to be, I think that he should be the starter and, uh, and yeah, and there, his backup is going to be the guy that was, that was on COVID for the past 52 weeks, Rykel Armstead.
1: Yeah. And I hate to use this against him, but how many free undrafted free agent running backs have had long-term success? I mean, the reality is in today's scouting, Fred Jackson, yeah, no, um, I mean, I can, Priest Holmes was an undrafted free agent. Arian Foster was, I mean, you can think of a few random guys, but I mean, very few of them have had long-term sustained success. I mean, we even saw Philip Lindsay, who fizzled out quicker than it seems like he appeared last season. So, uh, I mean, in today's scouting world, every team at every level, I don't care if he played in the FCS, everybody's being scouted. And mm-hmm. if you didn't get discovered some way or scouted in one way or another, I mean, it's slightly telling. I'm not saying that he's not an NFL caliber running back, but I mean, there is something to be said for that.
0: We're sorry, Blake. Sorry to talk about your guy.
1: I know. Balake is going to be very (laughs) upset. He probably thinks he's going to be a top five guy again.
0: He's going to unsubscribe. All right. Who's your uh, your next running back?
1: Okay. This one's going to be very unpopular, but um, I kind of was thinking of a lot of these top guys and, I'm a big running back guy. That's how I build my dynasty teams. But I think I've made this personal mistake where I just hold on to a guy like one year too long and I'm always kicking myself. I did it with Todd Gurley quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Frank Gore. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was going through Christian McCaffrey. We already saw Christian McCaffrey get injured last season, so I don't think it's the worst idea to sell him high, but I just, I have too much faith in his talent and I I think I'd be willing to hold on to him, especially coming off of last year, people aren't going to overpay you for him at this point. So I'm going to go with Derrick Henry and uh, I know he's built like a monster, but the reality is when you touch the ball that much, I mean, he's the size of an NFL defenseman or D lineman or linebacker. I mean, cornerbacks, he can run over with no problem, but a lot of these guys that are tackling him, they're just as big and as strong as he is. And he may be much faster than them for his size, but he, uh, I mean, he's taking a lot of hits and I'm sorry, but at some point it is going to catch up to him. Will that be next season? I, I mean, I can't answer that. I mean, there, nobody can answer that, but we've never seen a player take this many touches and have success for f- you know, even five plus years, a lot of guys, you really have to start pushing the brakes on them a little bit. And with his two thousand yard season being fantasy's number one running back, when is his value going to be higher? And I'm not saying you may miss out on a top five season next year, but do you really want to take that chance that next year is the year that he falls apart? That's my only concern with him. It's not a talent, uh, a question of his talent or his ability. We do have to also acknowledge there's going to be a new offense. Is this new offensive coordinator going to ride Derrick Henry as hard as Arthur Smith did? We can't answer that question either. So um, as much as I, I'm not saying Derrick Henry's not going to be a top five running back next year, I would put him in my top five for redraft and dynasty rankings. But there's just enough there where if you can get number one overall value for him, I'm taking it all day.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I'm glad you said that because we just talked about the uh, backup last week on our buy low. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, I agree with all the points. He's touched the ball a lot over the past two years, including the playoffs. I mean, just two years ago, not this past year, but two years ago, including the playoffs, it was over 400 touches. And he doesn't catch the ball a lot. So that's 400. That's almost 400 rushes out of the backfield. Mm-hmm. And then last year was another, I think it was 380 or something like that, 370, 380. So you're looking at close to 800 touches in two years mm-hmm. <laughs> for this guy. And we just talked about their offense when you talked about Tannehill with uh, them potentially losing John and Smith. They already lost um, Humphreys and they might be losing Corey Davis. So you're just, I mean, he's just going to be getting the rock even more. And it's, it's, it's just a lot to sustain. I, uh, he he doesn't seem like he could get injured, but that's I mean he just might be injury proof. But um, if you could get something for him, not even something if you because you, you're you're gonna get a big package back for him. He's he's gonna be drafted in the top five this year in redraft I I believe. Um, he's he definitely bumped Zeke out of the way a little bit. Uh, a couple other guys have been bumped down a little bit. Barkley might he might I mean he might even jump Barkley, um, this year in redraft too. So if you can if you can get something really good for him in return, then I'm not opposed to to trading Derrick Henry. And then my other running back that I got is David Montgomery. Um, he, between weeks 12 to 16, which is the uh, leading up to the playoffs and then the playoffs and then the championship game, he played against Green Bay, Detroit, Houston, Minnesota, Jacksonville, Green Bay uh green bay was one of the worst run defenses in the league this year so if you're looking and like oh they played green bay twice um no they they were one of the worst run defenses and then those other four teams that i mentioned were also pretty bad run defenses too and over that time he had 598 rushing yards and seven touchdowns he now his week 16 was only 69 yards and one touchdown um so he didn't single-handedly win you your actually no he had yeah one touchdown sorry stupid computer he uh he didn't single-handedly win you your win you your league in in the championship game but he um i mean leading up into there in, into the playoffs he he definitely helped out a lot week 14 he had 113 yards in a in a score week 15 uh the semifinals, he had 146 and a score no i'm I'm backwards Week 14, he had 146 and two scores, and then week 15, he had 95 in a score. So he's he just went on a tear, but against bad defenses. And now next year, he's still going to have a couple of those bad defenses. He still has Detroit in the division. He still has Minnesota in the division. I know personally I was trying to buy him during the early part of the season in, in whatever leagues that I could. Nobody sold him to me, though, unfortunately. But I was trying to buy him this year, and now I – In any leagues that I do have him, I want to try to sell him because I know that he's not gonna. I think he's still gonna be the starter there, but we do get Tariq Cohen back. We don't know who the quarterback's gonna be there. Allen Robinson might be gone, so it's one of those things where can he sustain the whole offense himself, or or yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, I think he's a pretty deep. I think he's a pretty decent running back. He showed that he can run against some pretty bad teams. Um, but is it going to be one of those things where he's uh, he's going to put together 600 yards and seven touchdowns in, in a six-week span? I don't think that's going to happen again. It's going to be spread out a little bit more throughout the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty easy one for me, too. I mean, he was a guy that I was considering putting on my list as well, but I mean, he's not going, and I think what raises his value even more is when he played those teams and when he performed. I mean, David Montgomery, I believe, was in the top five when Yahoo released their uh, top 10 players that were on championship rosters. So, I I mean, that just elevates his value because people associate him with winning a championship and there's going to be people that play with their heart a little bit and take that into consideration. So, yeah, I mean, between the schedule, that offensive line is still not good. I mean, so as much as they he had success against those um, bad run defenses, it's just not sustainable long-term. I mean, during those weeks that you mentioned, he was the number one fantasy running back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and on the for the season as a whole, I believe he was number six, I want to say on the season as a whole um it was definitely near the top five and i mean is david montgomery number four actually um is david montgomery going to be a top five running back next season are you gonna bet your money on that i'm not going to if you want to bet your money on it you can have at it but me personally i'm not going to uh yeah no you can bet (laughs) um no no you cannot you can bet blake's money because he's an optimistic bears fan um yeah, but yeah, I think that's a good one, though.
0: All right, into the wide receivers, we got uh, we got four here.
1: Okay, this one, I guess I'm just gonna throw out names that are slightly controversial because Derrick Henry, I know people will be upset with. I'm gonna say another one. I guess I'm just gonna go across the board, number one at every position. Um, I'm going to say Devonte Adams, and I know oh. that's not going to be a popular opinion. This is not a knock on Devonte Adams talent but it's kind of similar to James Robinson in a sense where cannot you guarantee me that Devontae Adams target share is going to be as big next season and seasons after that as it was for this year I don't think that you can I mean he had nearly 35 percent of the Packers targets last year unsurprisingly that was number one in the NFL by a pretty wide margin he was number three in 2019 But I would say in both of those seasons, their weapons were subpar. I mean, you have to think at some point they're going to address that. And they're going to bring in better weapons behind Devontae Adams. Um, So, and I guess it's for me too. It's just my philosophy in building a roster and a team I mean, I still, no matter how much the NFL changes, just don't value wide receivers as much as other people do. I think the position is so incredibly deep. And I was going through and kind of working on my tentative redraft rankings for next year. I mean, there is legitimately 50 wide receivers that I think have potential next season. I mean, the position is just so deep. So if you can trade Devontae Adams at his peak value right now. And we saw it with Michael Thomas, too. And I said this with Michael Thomas last season. When is his value going to be higher? And based on how he played last year, it's not going to be higher than it was based on how he played in 2019. Same thing with Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams is, you know, one of the top five most talented receivers in the game. He's got a great quarterback, everything that you need. But the reality is, when is his value going to be higher than... I mean, he's arguably a top five pick in drafts right now, startup or redraft. I've seen him go in the top five, similar to what Michael Thomas was last season. So I, in my opinion, don't think his value is ever going to be higher. So if you can get a high end young running back and maybe another upside young wide receiver as a throw in, I mean, I would definitely do it all day, every day.
0: Yeah, that was a good one. He definitely crossed my mind when I was uh, putting my list together. Um I, I actually I don't think you're gonna get better than that one. He's it's it's one of those things that's a catch twenty two. You want Devontae Adams on your team, but you also want yeah. to make your team better and you can by trading away Devontae Adams and you could still get a I mean you can go in and just last year Nelson Aguilar put together some games that that helped win some weeks and you could find a Nelson Aguilar. Now you're not starting Nelson Aguilar. You're starting Nelson Aguilar 0% of the time over Devontae Adams, if you have a both on your roster. But if you were to trade away Devontae Adams and have to replace them with somebody on the waiver wire, you're looking at a guy like Nelson Aguilar who could come in and put together some weeks. So while also upgrading your wide receiver position or or maybe even getting a Travis Kelsey who's a little bit older and uh, somebody might want to get younger wide receiver, go with Devontae Adams get Travis Kelsey in return or something like that. But um, I definitely, that was that's probably my favorite one out of the four that we're going to talk about. Uh, my first one I got is Brandon Ayuk. Um, it's hard with rookies. You mentioned it already before we started talking, you can't really sell high on a rookie unless it's Justin Jefferson, but with Brandon Ayuk, it's, the whole offense scares me. I, we don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy under center, and even if he is, he doesn't really have a lot of chemistry or a lot of work with Brandon Ayuk yet. Um, but I think he is the most talented wide receiver on this roster. I think he's more talented than uh, Debo Samuel. And But it, this, the offense runs through the wide receiver – the offense runs through George Kittle and the running backs. And you can take a guy like Brandon Ayuk, look at him as the number one wide receiver in – in San Francisco and and get something in return for him. So is he as big of a sell high as some of these other wide receivers? No, maybe he doesn't fit into this category as much, but he's a guy that when he was on the field, he was pretty dynamic. Um, he helped, he helped a couple of us in our, in our, in our personal group chat when, uh, when a couple, I think he, he had a pretty good game in, in the, in the game before the playoffs or, or the first playoff game. Um, fantasy playoffs so it, it definitely helped us there and he, he's it's its just one of those things where you could just sell I mean his name isn't like it's not like he's one of the most popular names in the league but you could sell his name and get something in return for him and I mean even if it is like a a running back that might split some time with Derrick Henry next year or, or split some time with James Robinson next year you could get something in return for a, a guy on a team that they're not going to pass the ball a lot or they're going to pass it a lot to George Kittle
1: Yeah, and I mean, I like Ayuk, and I'm interested to see what the future of that quarterback position holds in San Francisco. That could definitely have an impact as well, but yeah, I mean, I I like Ayuk personally. I don't think his value is high enough to where I would personally sell him. Um, You know, he's a guy that could maybe break out this year, and then I would, but um, yeah, I mean, he definitely, I agree that he is the most talented guy on there, Um, wide receiver-wise right now, not over George Kittle. Uh, If I said over George Kittle, Ride Dog may... Literally murder me from his home. But uh, yeah, I, I like Ayuk, and I think that that's an interesting one. So, my next one is kind of along. So, I think part of this for me is looking forward in trying to predict whose volume you think is going to decrease. Because, I mean, if you want to really break fantasy down into its simplest form, you want the guy that's going to get the highest volume and produce at- with that volume. I mean, in a nutshell, that's what it is. Um, and one of those guys that's had a ton of volume the last two years is Allen Robinson. Um, In 2019, he was fifth in the league in target share. In 2020, I mean, some of their younger wide receivers did emerge uh, a a bit with Mooney having a solid season. Anthony Miller had some pretty good games. The tight ends got involved. So he dropped to 11th in the league in target share last season. Um, So as much as he was heavily targeted he still had 150 targets on the year he didn't do as much with those targets and his target share went down and i think allen robinson as much he's a talented guy and he's definitely one of the most underappreciated wide receivers in the game but he's been a very volume dependent wide receiver he's needed 150 targets to be just even a top 10 wide receiver so are you confident enough moving forward that wherever he goes he's going to 100% get 150 targets a year? I'm yes. not. I mean, are you good for you. You have more balls than I do, I guess, then. But I am just not confident enough in that consistent volume moving forward. Now, don't get me wrong, he could go somewhere and get 130 targets. 140, or maybe somebody does give him the keys to the offense and he gets all of those targets. But I, I just, I don't want to take that chance. He's been considered a top, I'd say top 12. I see him a lot in that 10, 11, 12 range in dynasty ranking. So he's got wide receiver one value. And if he goes somewhere else where they have another strong number two wide receiver, I could see him being more of a guy that finishes around wide receiver 15 or so. So I think that with some uh, questions moving forward with his volume, I would sell him.
0: The only thing I'm getting from all this is we hate the NFC North. That's uh, literally, I just went to the (laughs) NFC
1: North and I said, who can I pick?
0: Exactly. No, it's uh he's a tough one because he is a free agent. He could, yeah. he can end up going to say Green Bay and not get 150 targets. But I, I think he's gonna sign on as a a wide receiver one somewhere. There's a lot of teams that that could use. I mean, any team could use an Allen Robinson. But there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, of teams I'm where even he thinking would go a team
1: like Miami who could still, I think, use another strong wide receiver. I mean, alongside Devontae Parker, I still don't think he'd get 150 targets. Yeah,
0: it's uh. We'll 149
1: see. maybe but not yeah one
0: exactly 149 is where I'm thinking 149 and a half is the over under uh, my next guy um, apex close your ears it's DK Metcalf he's uh here's a guy that he he was strong early in the year he had a lot I mean he was he was in the top top five top three for for a good portion of the year just I mean making a highlight real catches and monster games. Um, and then he ran down Buda Baker for that, for, to get you that one single point in your IDP league for, for the tackle. Um, but he's, it seems like no matter who the uh, Seahawks have on offense, um, they still want to try to make it a 50-50 split with running the ball. And it, it's, it's, that's hard with, uh, with the talent that you have with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, they don't really have the biggest tight ends there. And then with the rumors swirling around with Russell Wilson um potentially being on the move, even though I don't think that's gonna happen. It's just one of those things where you're it, it, DK kind of scares me a little bit. I, he has all the talent in the world, he's a big strong guy, but he did have some some pretty pretty bad drops. I mean drops right off the face masks. Uh, in, in the end zone drops right over the middle um, that could have turned into big plays, but he's uh, I mean, he's a guy that I'd love to have on my fantasy team, but he's also a guy that he, he's another guy that you can, you can sell on his name and you can sell him on his name more than you can Brian and Ayuk. you throw DK Metcalf's name out there and you're getting offers from everybody in your league. And with, with the Seahawks seeming like they want to run the ball more uh, P Carroll looking like he wants to run the ball a bit more. He's, he's definitely a guy that I, I wouldn't mind seeing what kind of offers I could get and, and accepting even the best one
1: yeah this is really tough for me I mean I'm a pretty big DK Metcalf fan I'm definitely at not at the level of apex where I drool and have a shrine of him in my closet um I did but I took <laughs> it down at this point so I'm not because
0: that's behind big... you
1: uh, yeah, no, let's, don't open that. But um there's, uh, yeah, I, I mean, so I love his talent. Let me ask you this. This is oh, popped into my head. Yeah, I know. Questions are bad. Nobody wants to hear questions. What is the difference for you? Is it just a talent? But, I mean, let's be real. Justin Jefferson had a historic rookie season. And mm-hmm. I honestly considered bringing him up in this as one of my guys. But what is the, I mean, DK Metcalf's, what, 22 years old still? Uh, I believe. And he was, um, what he was a top five receiver last year. I think he ended up finishing right. Hmm, let me pull it up quick. But anyway, the, the point third... that I was making, he was seventh. Okay. Whatever. I was going
0: to say and, and ten, uh, touchdowns. So he
1: was seventh. Yeah. I, I've seen him in the top five in a lot of dynasty rankings. That's what I was thinking. But what is the difference between him and Justin Jefferson? Cause you could argue DK Metcalf has, the better coaching staff he has the better quarterback i think justin jefferson may be the better wide receiver overall but i could almost argue dk metcalf's in a better situation and don't get me wrong those drops are concerning but i mean it didn't really stop russell wilson from looking his direction either so if i had to ask you what is the difference right now between dk metcalf and justin jefferson what is your answer go
0: I just think Justin Jefferson is more... Besides your biasness. (laughs) Oh, it's not really too biasness because I I loved DK the year that he was a rookie and I wanted him in Buffalo. But I I think that Justin Jefferson is more versatile. He fits... Not that he fits the offense better, but, I mean, obviously last year we saw that Justin Jefferson had a monster year. They both had monster years. So it's not... not, brush that to the side, but um, I just think that with the way that Justin Jefferson plays, he he was more of a slot guy coming out of LSU, where DK Metcalf was more of the, the field stretcher. I think that Justin Jefferson has an opportunity to get the ball into his hands more with that kind of offense, uh, with the way that they, with the way that Kirk cousins and and the Vikings run the offense. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Maybe DK had more catches. I, I, I don't know. So you I don't want you to debunk me there, but, um, I just, I just think that with Justin Jefferson, he can go over the middle, he can go deep. Um, I mean, DK, DK can go over the middle too, and he could run over linebackers, but it seems like we, we see him more on those, those post routes and those out routes that, that are deep as opposed to Justin Jefferson just kind of using all of the field and a chance in fantasy for more PPR points.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what I'm hearing is that you think Kirk cousins is better than Russell Wilson, but okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Okay. I got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I just wanted to throw that out there. Cause I mean, you have to at least acknowledge, I think Justin Jefferson's too talented to, not put up a repeat performance throughout his career and not to be consistently good year in and year out, but we've never really seen a rookie season quite like that. So, I mean, you could argue maybe his value doesn't get higher, but I just, when you have a guy that young, I, I mean, especially with the circumstances surrounding uh, the NFL with COVID and he was still able to come in and dominate like that. One of the things I was concerned with, and he started to fix this towards the end of the year, but he wasn't always consistent. He was very boomer bust. You saw him have 200 yards one game and then 15 the next. But he kind of, as the season went along, got more consistent. So I don't even have any criticisms of the guy anymore, honestly. Who kind was of it
0: is- JJ or DK? Uh,
1: Jefferson. 'Cause Metcalf had some he was pretty consistent throughout the year. He had a few duds against the Rams one week, I remember, but um Justin Jefferson yeah, was Ramsey. very <laughs> well
0: yeah, Jefferson man. too. He had the first two games, he was kind of just like non-existent at all. Yep. And then and then so most of his work well, all of his work is over a fourteen game schedule, not a sixteen. DK, the thing with DK was he did a lot of his work on little little catches. I remember talking about it earlier in the year. Maybe he had more. Um, I mean, he ended up with 83. So breaking it down by game. Uh, I don't know. I know he had some big games in there, but the first like four or five weeks he had only four catches and he was still a top wide receiver. So you're, you're kind of, you were kind of banging banking on him either taking it to the house or having like 25 yards of catch basically over the over four catches each where Jefferson was getting a little bit more volume.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I think it's tough either way. They're two young guys. I uh I mean their values definitely it can't be higher, but that's one of those where I don't know, I might stay a few years from now if they have three or four more big years. So I think that's a ballsy one. Let's we should talk about your favorite position though.
0: Kickers? Alright. <laughs> just...
1: Rodrigo <laughs> blank and chip high.
0: <laughs> gotta go, uh, just gotta say one more thing about Jefferson. He is he's priceless to me, so I would never sell him. Oh, All right, I'm going to send him a Valentine's Day card. All right. Uh, going on to tight ends. Um, you've been starting us off this whole time. So why don't you start us off again?
1: Oh, that was not where I was expecting that to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fine. I'll go first. No, no, no. I really late don't have now. a lot to say about this first guy. I mean, he does. He didn't have, obviously, I mean, nobody did, but he, do, he didn't really have the numbers that um, Devonte Adams had. But in that same offense, I, a lot of the same reasons that you use for Adams, aside from the target share is the same reasons that I have Robert Tunyon. And the biggest thing is I think they are going to bring in a wide receiver. I mean, they were criticized going back to the draft last year that they didn't bring anybody in. And then they went with a quarterback and then a, a bigger, big side running back in the draft. And so they only went into the season with Devontae Adams and a bunch of number threes. And, and then Tyler Higby kind of came along, and he brought his value up, and that's why he's on my list. But, and I'm not saying that he's not going to be the guy there. They still have Jay Sternberger though, who they did draft and he was a second or third round pick. So he, he was a guy that um, I think they're expecting some big things from him, but um I think they're also going to bring in another wide receiver and that's just going to, that's just going to bring Tunyon's value down. So sell him now while he's coming off the year that he had coming off that uh, a fresh 11 touchdown season. Um, on 52 catches, would he have 586 yards and get what you can out of him? Now, tight ends are tough. I think, I mean, you could go through all 32 teams and, and basically Travis Kelsey, you're probably not selling. Darren Waller, you're probably not selling. Um, George Kittle, you're probably not selling. Mark Andrews might be on the fence. But uh, after those four tight ends, it's, you're just picking up guys off the waiver wire and, and trying to just play the system. And Robert Tunyon was exactly one of those guys that ended up sticking around a lot longer than just your weekly tight end streamer. And if you still have him on your roster, try to get a running back or a wide receiver or something that you can get in return and then just play the tight end game again next year.
1: Yeah, and I was going to say this about the tight end position as a whole There's not very many good tight ends in the NFL right now in terms of ones that actually produce for fantasy leagues. So it's kind of hard to sell any of them high, honestly, because who are you replacing them with just garbage? I mean, so if you have a decent one, even a middle tier one, it's kind of hard. I will say I said this several times with Tunyon last year. The reason I don't love him is he's too touchdown dependent for me. And we saw that several times where if you took his touchdown away, I mean, he really did nothing. A few weeks so I, I just i don't like guys where you have to rely on them scoring to have a, a, a solid week especially from the tight end position i prefer consistency in guys that are going to consistently have four or five catches a week rather than a guy that you're crossing your fingers and hoping he scores a touchdown he had 11 touchdowns last year if you bring that down to seven which i mean that's still a pretty good season that would have made him tight end eight instead of tight end three So, I mean, right off the bat, that kind of brings him down. Um, So not to say he can't get 11 again. We don't really see very many guys get double digits in back-to-back seasons. I mean, it could happen. um, But I just, yeah, I mean, I think he's a really good candidate. Once again, if you're talking about what is his value right now, you could argue he's maybe in some people's top five dynasty tight ends. Is his value ever going to be higher than that? Um, I would think not. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, another, uh, the guy that I have is tough. Cause you know, I talked about him a little bit as a sleeper and I mean, I can, I guess I can say it now. It was a pretty good call. Um, it was Logan Thomas, uh, of the Washington football team. And I really like Logan Thomas's talent, but I mean, it's kind of the similar theme with other players that I've been talking about. It's just, Number one, Alex Smith is probably not going to be their quarterback next year, question mark. I'm not overly confident in saying that, but if you watch any Washington games, Alex Smith's arm was, he had a noodle arm. I mean, he could not throw down the field and he was just dumping it off to Logan Thomas and JD McKissick. It seemed like every single pass attempt. So number one, I don't think that they're going to have a quarterback. I mean, it's not likely that they're going to have a quarterback like that again. That's just going to dump it off to logan thomas or to uh, jd mckissick and number two it's once again he had almost a 20 percent target share which is really high for a tight end and he had over 100 targets which was 110 targets to be specific which was third among all nfl tight ends and that was just a product of who did they have after terry McLaurin? nobody i mean logan thomas was their second option in that passing game and if I just I highly doubt he's going to be their second option heading into 2021. If they have a new quarterback, they're going to have to surround him with more weapons. They have a great offensive line, a great defense, a good young running back. They really have everything except they could probably use another player in the secondary. They could use a wide receiver, but I mean, besides the quarterback position, but they really don't have that many holes. So I definitely expect them to address wide receiver this off season. So when you combine all those factors, he was tight end number four in terms of fantasy production last year. Do I see him putting up another top five season? I don't. I mean, maybe he gets 80 or 90 targets, which still would put him in that top 10 range, but I just have a hard time believing he's going to finish as a top five guy again.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, Logan Thomas crossed my mind too. Um, the one, the biggest thing, not even the biggest thing, but the one thing that I did look at when I was, when I was putting together my list was I only looked at the little sample size that he had with Taylor Heineke. And cause that is most likely their starting quarterback, unless they make a big splash for somebody, unless they go out and get the Deshaun Watson or, or the, the deck Prescott or, or whoever might come in there. But We could be looking at Heineke being the starting quarterback week one. Um, And if that's the case, I mean, he had nine targets in that playoff game. So it was showing that he was looking his way. But again, you bring up a good point. They could be looking at wide receiver. We brought up a wide receiver that missed off all last year, uh, last week on our, um, on our by low show. And that was Calvin Harmon. Uh, He could be back next year. He could be the number two or, or even number three. So uh, which is just going to take targets away. Antonio Gibson, we've seen that he could catch the ball out of the backfield, too. So he should be getting some more targets, too. So that's going to just dip into Logan Thomas. So um, definitely a good option. I, I just had a couple things that went through my mind when uh, when I was thinking about him. Um, my last tight end, the last guy for me, is going to be Tyler Higby of the Los Angeles Rams of Los Angeles. He the My biggest thing for him is... I mean, they're potentially losing Gerald Everett, which, which would be one of those things where he's, he, his value just goes up a little bit. Um, but you can, it's again, it's another tight end where he was probably drafted in, in your drafts this past, uh, last year. Um, so he wasn't one of those guys where you were, where you were just picking up off of waivers or free agency, but, um, Matt Stafford coming in, he he spreads the ball out a lot. And uh, he does use the tight end a little bit. He used Hawkinson a little bit when he was in Detroit. But he's going to have Robert Woods, and he's going to have Cooper Cub. Um, So if you have Tyler Higbee, you're basically just – I know that might have been the case last year where you're looking at, okay, Jared Goff, he's going to have all these targets too. But Stafford is going to get the ball to the receivers, I believe, more than he is going to use the tight ends. So if you can get something for Tyler Higbee, I think this is the time to do it um thinking that the guy on the other side of your trade is thinking oh i want yeah i want a piece of that offense um let me get tyler higby maybe i can get him for semi-cheap and then you're getting something in return that you're going to use more than you use tyler Higbee.
1: yeah i mean i think that's an interesting one i don't know where i stand on i'd have to dive deeper into it um I mean, Gerald Everett's probably not going to be back, so he should get most of the tight end targets, Tyler Higbee. So I think that'll have an impact on it. And I guess realistically, he's probably the third option in that passing game right now. So I uh, it depends what you can get for him. If somebody's really excited about that offense, so I do think that, yeah, it's definitely worth letting them overpay a little bit. My last one is a guy that I think people have an infatuation with for absolutely no reason, but, um, it's Evan Ingram. And maybe you could say that he's not necessarily a sell high, but he was a pro bowler last year for some reason. And he, uh, (laughs) yeah, that was probably the most bizarre pro bowl selection I've seen ever maybe. Um, but the thing that's troubling with me, number one, people still now, talent wise. Yeah. He's probably a top five. Top 10 talent at the tight end position. But number one, this he cannot catch the ball. I mean, he dropped a lot of I believe he was in the top three last year and dropped passes. He, um, he really, really struggled with that last season. But the thing that's concerning to me is when you look at his numbers, he was number four in tight end targets. He had 109. You're like, okay, that's really great. He had 63 receptions, which was fifth among all tight ends. Okay, once again, seems pretty great. But wait for it. He was 18th in points per game for fantasy. So, how do you get all of that volume and you still are unable to produce? I mean, we kept talking about can he stay healthy? Can he do X, Y, and Z? Can he stay on the field? Well, I mean, here's the news flash. He got the targets, he got the volume, he got everything that we wanted from Evan Ingram in a season. Everything everyone was talking about. He played 16 games. Everything that we wanted in 2020. And what did he do with it? He averaged the 18th most points per game among tight ends. So he still has that stigma of being one of those guys that's really talented. But the reality is he hasn't produced. So if you have somebody that's still paying for his upside rather than his production, just let him, let him at this point. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. That's another one of those guys where, um, basically you just sell his name alone. Now people are getting smarter and staying away from Evan Ingram, but, um, i don't know. i still
1: see people on twitter that are like he's a top five tight end talent i don't care about his talent it's about production at some point yeah. he's been in the nfl long enough now where you're kind of past, what is he's 26 now i believe you're past that point where you're like oh you know he's got upside. no i mean he's got to produce at this point
0: he's gonna have that uh he's gonna have that fifth year breakout like um like cory or not cory davis like davante parker did <laughs> maybe Um, any other, any other guys that kind of just came across your head while we were talking? I like when I was putting my list together, Noah Fant was one, not just tight ends either, but Noah Fant was one that I was thinking of. Um, the past two episodes, we brought up this guy's name and he could have, he could have easily been on today's episode, but Deshaun Watson, when we talked about quarterbacks, um, other than that, I mean, wide receivers was tough running backs. It's hard because there's a, there could be a lot of running back movement, um, Mm. But, yeah, I mean, it's what were what you uh, any, any other names that you had?
1: No, I mean, quarterback, I think position as a whole is really tough. Some of these running quarterbacks or more mobile quarterback because I don't want to call them running quarterbacks because a lot of them have great arms. A lot of these more mobile quarterbacks, I'm a little interested to see what their longevity is like, because the reality is when the best comparison we have to today's quarterbacks is Michael Vick and his prime did not last very long. We saw about four or five really good Michael Vick years, and then he kind of disappeared off the face of the earth. So when we're talking about guys like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, I'm not ready to sell on Murray or uh, Lamar yet. I think they're young. I think they still have a few more years. Uh, Two years from now, I think we're going to be talking different. If Lamar Jackson has a huge season, I'd be selling him because the reality is it's going to be hard unless he completely changes his style of play. And I can't see that. I don't think he would be effective at doing that. Honestly, I, I don't think he's going to have a 15 year career where he's in his prime. So uh, I'm kind of interested, but a guy like Justin Herbert, you know, I'm not selling him. Russell Wilson, I think is tough. Um, but a lot of the top guys in fantasy right now at the quarterback position are kind of young. And I think yes. it, you're kind of in a position where you should be holding on to him running back To me, it's more if you need running back depth and, you know, a guy like even Dalvin Cook, who, you know, has been a little injury plagued throughout his career, getting a ton of touches. If you got a big enough offer, I'd consider it. Um, But for the most part, I think I I think I mentioned most of the names tight ends. Like I said, there's not very many good ones. So it's kind of hard to sell any of them unless you're getting a crazy, you know, maybe you're really thin at the running back position and somebody offers you You know, I don't know, maybe Leonard Fournette moves on and somebody offers you Ronald Jones for, you know, I I don't know, the tight end that you have. And that's a better deal based on what your team needs are. I think that's what it comes down to. But yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of depth overall at every position except tight end right now, which I think that's more a product of the NFL as a whole. And I was talking about this with Rydog one day, we were chatting about it, but with offenses scoring at a much higher rate now, that just means more fantasy points and more options. Honestly, it's not there's not that many sleepers anymore because every position is so deep. I mean, when you have fifty good wide receivers, you really don't need to dig that deep. Honestly, you have plenty of options, plenty of good options, and it's more just playing your matchups throughout the year.
0: Yeah, and another thing with that too is your just leagues are changing too like you're yeah. um you're not a, like the typical league that we when we first started playing was one quarterback two running back two wide receiver tight end flex and now mm-hmm. it's every startup is like well let's add two more flexes or let's add a super flex yeah. or, let's add three quarterbacks or three wide receiver, no, not three quarterbacks three wide receivers or three running backs but It's uh, so you kind of have to dig more into those guys and you're still not finding sleepers because everybody's talking about them because that's the way leagues are getting set up. Now you're not going to find, you're not going to come across a a Quintez Cephas um, every, every day because he's a guy that, that is being talked about going into this year because Detroit might not have any wide receivers. So um,
1: did you just invite me to a three QB league?
0: Yeah. You want to play just me and you. I want to invite you to a 16 kicker league.
1: I would do that honestly.
0: <laughs> head to head. All right, but I think that's going to do it for today's show. Um, hopefully, we have some more news next week. We still have uh, we got some off season rankings to go over. We got we're going to do a little bit into IDP. We're still we're both both of us are still newer to the IDP game, um, but we do play it. We've been playing it for. A couple years now still getting the strategy down so we're going to have an idp show um that'll be a shorter smaller one and then i mean eventually we're going to be getting into off-season team needs and and, and team breakdowns so we got a got a huge schedule coming up and uh, we'll see you guys next week